Welcome to PhD with Woman on It, Hack the Future. My name is Beata Young and today's Positivity Hack Delivered will be by our guest Bernadette Smith. Topic Beyond Diversity, Implementing 360 Solutions for Lasting Inclusion. Episode 125 starts here. Let me remind you. This is a grassroots community that focuses on women on IT, an inclusive forum of women in technology, startups, and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my motto. And empathy is critical when you're implementing 360 solutions for lasting inclusion. Before we delve into today's topic, let's look at what's been happening in our community. Congratulations to Flora Kamanja for winning the Professional Technical Award 2023 at the Africa Queen of Energy Awards. Round of applause to exec coach, advisor and former PhD guest Denise Conray for her spot on advice on emphasizing leaders focus on employee performance rather than attire. And finally, congratulations to Lorraine Margie for being nominated as Phantom Leap Awards at the upcoming Quantum Innovative Summit this February 28th, 29th in Dubai. Let's give our round of applause to the president of One Quantum Africa. Good luck. Now let's go back to our topic, Beyond Diversity, Implementing 360 Solutions for Lasting Inclusion. Organizations are moving beyond traditional diversity initiative towards a holistic approach. For this PhD, we delve into the broad theme of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging with Bernadette Smith, author of the best-selling book, Inclusive 360, proven solutions for an equitable organization. Workers need to be included, but the key to success is making them feel they belong. Grab your drink to tune into this informative and inspirational episode with our guest, Bernadette. Where in the world are you today? Greetings from Chicago, where I'm looking outside and I see a little dusting of snow. It's uh, that was from yesterday, but yes, I still see the snow out the window today in uh, cold Chicago, USA. It's fantastic. It's not going to be cold, though. It's going to be hot topic of discussion <laughs> today. And uh, I'm really uh, jealous of your great studio. I'm just sitting here. You may see a wagging tail of my dog every so often. Uh, you know, dogs are... Uh, just part of our discussion. They want to know more about the diversity, inclusivity, <laughs> and equity. So what is uh, that um, abbreviation, DEI, and uh, whatever goes behind it? Sure. So diversity is basically just a mix of people, all different kinds of people. Equity is making sure that all of those different kinds of people get a fair shot at success keeping in mind their individual circumstances. And inclusion is making sure that all of those different kinds of people get a seat at the table and that their voice actually matters. So that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And what inspired you to be part of this movement? 
Well, I've been an entrepreneur for, uh, this is my 20th year in business, actually. So uh, 20 years. And I started my first company back when I was living in Boston, Massachusetts, which was the first state in the U.S. to have marriage equality for same-sex couples. So I started a business to be an LGBTQ wedding planner for those couples to help them feel safe navigating a very traditional industry. So that was sort of my first business, and I can tell you all kinds of stories about that. But essentially, as time went on, I evolved my business towards educating those in the wedding, hospitality, and travel industry on LGBTQ inclusion, to then sort of moving beyond those industries in general and moving beyond LGBTQ specific inclusion and doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work more broadly and speaking to a wide variety of, of different kinds of clients. So it's been quite an adventure over these 20 years, but that it's really started to be because I wanted to be an advocate because I wanted to help people feel safe. Mm. You wanted to uh, for people to feel safe. You wanted to for people to feel part of conversation or sitting at the table, whether it's a wedding or <laughs> whether mm -hmm. it's a boardroom. Um, now, why did you move from the wedding industry into more uh, bigger organizations advisory? Yeah, well, so I was planning weddings in, in Boston originally, in Massachusetts, and then I moved to New York City. I grew up in New York State, so I moved to New York City and started planning weddings there when it became legal there. And I really found myself planning very high-end luxury weddings and not really loving the work, uh, to be honest. I, I didn't get into wedding planning because... I loved weddings and I loved flowers and stationery. That wasn't why I got into it. I got into it because I really wanted to make a difference and I was wanted to be an advocate and activist wedding planner. And so things really kind of, um, I just kind of felt like out of alignment, you know, I wasn't fulfilling my purpose when I was working on those weddings. I felt kind of fake, um, definitely like a fraud. Like I, you know, <laughs> I just kind of a little bit in over my head because I wasn't authentic. Um, and so, yes, I was doing a lot of education in those industries as well. But I, when I went through my own divorce, um, I just kind of felt like, all right, <laughs> I need to, I, I just sort of felt like I was getting signs from the universe to uh, move on. But I'll tell you, you know, that in-between phase, as I was sort of phasing out one business and rebuilding another, essentially from scratch, because I was focusing on other industries, there was a real professional identity crisis, you know, a lot of experimenting, a lot of like, who, who am I really? What do I really have to say? Um, all of that stuff was part of my process. And when, when that process happened, was it five years ago or how long ago was it? Um, the very last wedding I planned, I think, was six years ago. And I think that year I had only had one wedding or two, maybe. So, you know, I'd been phasing out for basically the past eight years. Um, but I think the, my very last wedding was in 2018. Well, I, I'm asking because I thought, like so many of us, uh, you had a come to Jesus moment when pandemic started, but uh, clearly not. How did... Uh, lockdown affect your business? 
Well, let me tell you, I've never been so grateful to be out of wedding planning because <laughs> my former friends or my peers and, and colleagues in that industry really struggled um, in 2020 and 2021. And fortunately, that didn't affect me at all. Um, but what it did, it what what it did give me was um, it started taking away some of the excuses that I was coming up with in my uh, lizard brain for not doing the work that I needed to be doing on on my business to really take it to the next level. So it was, um, you know, the pandemic really sort of, it, it forced me to figure out what my voice was and really lean into that. And so it was actually a blessing. Plus there, you know, that's when we started having more conversa conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So um, really, there in the racial justice uprisings here in the U.S. after some murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, like it's it really catalyzed the, the movement. Then um, I don't even know if movement's the right word. It started it started important conversations, and that was around the time when I was really finding my own voice and figuring out what I had to say in this industry in in this um, in this phase of of my business. Because I had so, done a lot of structural work within weddings, hospitality, and tourism and on the consulting side, um, but I needed to figure out what that looked like in this other world. So what what would be the, your, your title of the speech by Bernadette about? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a number of speeches um, because I first and foremost identify as a keynote speaker and writer. Um, but I'd say the speech that uh, that is me is born this way, <laughs> mm. born this way by Lady Gaga. I like to name my speeches after songs. Um, uh -huh. And so, you know, because I think that this whole process, my my tr career transformation has really uh, helped me find my authentic voice. Um, I have a weekly newsletter and a podcast and I sort of have my own uh, look up view on the world that sort of brings positivity like you do um, to the work of DEI. And so, you know, all of this work has helped me really find my voice. What do I have to contribute to the conversation that's a little bit different um, than other folks? And and so, um, so, yeah, so that's really where I've landed. And Born This Way is about authenticity. It's about embracing who you are. And I think that's been a really big part of my journey. Bernadette, I love that because there are so many females that need to speak up and they don't do because or they are shy because of the misconception of uh, I've got to have something really, really important to say. And I love the fact that you started small. Um, I read in your book that you started with uh, a video podcasting called mm -hmm. uh, One Thing I Learned Today and you uh, published it on LinkedIn to give some positive notes and give some outtakes uh, from your life journey and tell us about why you started it and why would you encourage others to do something similar? What I think is really important when you have, when you want to be a thought leader or in whatever form that is, um, when you really have something to say is I think to, to sort of experiment with what feels authentic to you, read other people's newsletters and consume their blogs and uh, podcasts and sort of feel, feel, figure out what feels like something you can get into a rhythm about. 
for me, uh, I, I know that I am a very optimistic person. I am a very pure, <laughs> naive kind of positive person sometimes. Um, and so when I decided, which was a complete aha moment on the streets of Chicago after leaving an event, when I decided to record a selfie video on the street and hashtag it one thing I learned today, it was something that I, was really positive. And I decided to build that into a habit. So I started posting these daily videos, hashtag one thing I learned today about something that was positive. Um, those videos then became the five things newsletter, which is essentially five things I learned this week. And all of those are positive stories. Good vibes and DEI is what I call it. Um, then that's something that is now a podcast and a live stream as well Is I, I have a guest and we talk about those five stories and it's this really fun, upbeat podcast. So really my advice is to, to figure out what feels doable to you, what feels like um, an outlet that you can be consistent about because consistency is, is really key um, because it establishes trust. Consistency is key and we are consistent on including our um, audience into the conversation. So we've got a couple of comments coming this way. Jane says, hello, Beata and Bernadette. Looking forward to listen to today's topic. Um, great to hear you're tuning in. Olga Vasina, greetings, Beata and Bernadette. And Jane says, agree. I love Lady Gaga song as well. And Joanna Hajewska says... She's a nice sayer here. Let's <laughs> add a pinch of salt to these positive messages flying around. But post podcasts are not so easy to listen to when you are such a chaos. Is it? You know, I will say that um, for me, I go through phases with podcasts. Um, I'm kind of not in a podcast phase right now. <laughs> so um, because I do so much reading to prepare for my own newsletter, but I, you know, I listen to podcasts. I kind of binge them on road trips. Um, but I feel like I try for me, I have to sort of uh, try to keep my brain as clutter free as possible um, and make very intentional choices about what I consume uh intentional choices what i would also say what's interesting i'm not sure whether you checked your data uh, bernadette but uh, we have a, a weekly exercise with our team and we actually checked the data for december for our podcast it turns out that we had a huge turnover over Christmas period, clearly all these women while cooking and making these dinners, mm. um, they were tuning in. So um, there is a bit of bias in my thinking, but I um, I'm, I like to know what's behind the data. So there mm. is my my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> what I would say to Joanna, Joanna, uh, she's she's a friend of ours. You know, she used to uh, work in Torun, the birthplace of Nicolaus Copernicus, and I know the struggle is real. Joanna, I've got it also as well. My my daughter's got it. ADD is a real deal. I mean, it's really difficult because you've got so many ideas. So it's definitely very useful to declutter your mind, focus on the things that are important in the moment, and set up the task limit uh, minutes limit limit. So whether it's a, a clock you have set up or whatever, don't 
get disrupted within the minute span uh, that you set up for yourself. That's definitely something that is helpful. Mm, and uh, that's also important from Bernadette's perspective, having a habit, something that is yeah. easy to do. These micro actions, as Cindy mm. Gallop says, Bernadette, tell us more. Oh, I am so habit oriented. I love habits and micro actions. Um, you know, and, and right now I just said a new one for the for the quarter, which is five minutes of stretching every day. Um, and you know what? I, I, I'm embarrassed to say that I've never really done anything like that before. And it feels fantastic. So <laughs> it's just a nice way to spend five minutes with myself and, and in my body. And so, you know, I just think that micro habits are, are really key. Um, I think a very strong, healthy mindset is really key um, when you, especially when you're an entrepreneur, but I think anytime you are, um, you know, uh, looking to really take yourself to the next level and whatever that means. I think a, a really strong mindset is key and, and some discipline. And so I have, uh, I have kind of a lot of things that I do and I, I build them into my calendar. So I block time for habits and, and um, I build a lot of mindset hacks into my calendar as well. Kind of reminders of, of mindset tools. <gasps> my goodness. Mindset tools. Tell us about them. Um, well, I, uh, I have, I use neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, uh, for some different <laughs> mindset hacks. Um, so I build, I, I set reminders in my calendar. So for example, a reminder this week, what this morning went off and it said, worked up, read this. And then, you know, inside the calendar invite, were all of the, in the notes were all of these different things that I could do if I'm worked up. So if I'm feeling stressed, I just found out this morning that we didn't get a client that I was pretty confident we were going to get, you know, I could look at some of the tools in my calendar reminder and say, okay, maybe I'll do some of this type of particular breathing exercise, or maybe I need to look out the window and focus on something specific, or maybe I need to push the little button on my wrist, which I've programmed to be my power button um, through neuro-linguistic programming. Or maybe I need to think about what does it really mean to have joy and why, and everything is temporary, you know? So maybe it's the mindset shift of just thinking, you know what, this is not a big deal and everything's temporary and, you know, next moment is a new moment. <laughs> and so there's these, all of these different sort of modalities um, that I bring together and sort of have as recurring reminders in my calendar. So I have one spiraling. Are you spiraling? Are you worked up? I have another one that says, are you practicing generosity? You know, so all of these different things go off at various points of the week and they just sort of remind me to focus on that stuff. That's beautiful. And that's also reminds us to go back to the core of our discussion, which is inclusion, diversity and <laughs> 3060. And we can mention a great diversity um, role model and also um, author of a book called Lean In. Who says, Sheryl uh, Sandberg says, we can each define ambition and progress for ourselves. The goal is to work toward a world where expectations are not set by the stereotypes that hold us back. 
but by our personal passion, talents, and interests. And that summarizes Bernadette's uh, bio, I would say, because you're definitely driven by what is there to improve and how can your book improve organizations who are looking into uh, inclusion diversity? Well, just about, you know, Sheryl Sandberg's book and quote, I think that uh, it doesn't really necessarily take into mind equity, you know, giving folks a fair shot considering their individual circumstances. Um, you know, there's a lot of privilege around. And so I think that's something that's a little bit missing from that book. But what I think is really important for organizations who want to um, who want to do this and want to do it right is to look at their systems. Because a lot of times what organizations start with, and maybe it's the only thing they really do, is training, unconscious bias training or training or celebrations for cultural heritage months. Um, but they don't necessarily take diversity, equity, and inclusion to another level. And that's to really look at their systems for gaps in equity and inclusion. What are the reasons that you have employee high employee turnover or you're not getting uh, underrepresented talent to apply for your jobs? What is What are some of the reasons that that could be happening? Well, what I love to think about and look at are the systems within an organization. And that's really what Inclusive 360 is all about, is looking at the various systems within an organization and how do we apply a DEI lens to those systems. So that includes all of the processes within HR. So obviously, um, recruiting, where are you looking for uh, candidates? What does the talent acquisition process look like? What does the hiring process look like? The questions, all of those things are, are part of it. We're also looking at procurement. Where do, who are the suppliers you're doing business with? We're looking at product development. Are you thinking about a diversity of different audiences when you're creating your products? Same thing with marketing. Um, are you considering diversity in your marketing? Um, what about customer service and sales associates? Do they have any training on how to interact with uh, in potential clients and customers from underrepresented groups? Do they get cultural competency training? So like, I just rattled off a whole bunch of stuff um, because DEI is a whole organization. Let's, I don't want to call it a problem, but it's a whole organization opportunity. And so a lot of times it just is, is it lives in HR or it's focused on training. And what I think is that there are lots of ways that we can build equity into, into the systems so that we don't have to worry about what happens if someone leaves, what happens mm -hmm. if there's, you know, training only goes so far. And mm. so really, I think the opportunity is to look at it from a holistic lens. And that is what I did in the wedding industry was we weren't just doing training. We had to look at the systems that the systems that were built to be exclusive. Mm. Well, you, as you say, you rattled, I would say you opened a Pandora box uh, because it's really <laughs> so many things and so many layers and I'm going to go back to it. But before uh, um, uh, I would like to say what I would like to repeat, what Joanna Hajewska says, I think strong mindset is when you look in the mirror and you see valuable person. If someone don't see it, then this person have to say it to the mirror to believe, to teach our brain. Absolutely, Iona, your word is valuable to us. We like to hear 
from you. Tell us what your experience with uh, diversity inclusion and um, if you've got some stories to share, we will be happy to um to include and missing something in the book time for second part there you go joanna <laughs> maybe you can write it with bernadette with your experience of major neurodivergent person mm. that's you important you know i talk about that a little bit in the book but it's time for a second edition um and and neurodivergence inclusion is definitely and critically important. I talk about it more in the recruiting section and working with neurodiverse talent. Um, but I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a in increasingly a hot topic and I'm glad, I'm so glad that mm -hmm. we're looking, we're starting to really think more thoroughly about how to include these folks. Well, I think there is a very, very huge uh, opportunity, but also a huge threat to diversity when it comes to hiring, because we know that uh, all these chat GPT and all these processes that are helping us to go through thousands and thousands of CVs uh, are really skimming through the diverse talent. And uh, if you don't have the keywords that are necessary for uh, your application, you may be missing out. What do you say about that? <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Um... I think that it's also about improving the quality of the data sets that AI is using and making sure that the data sets that the, the AI is being programmed with include diversity and include uh, diverse demographics and thinking it have that lens to what they're searching for. Um, so it's certainly, I do not have all the answers, but I know that in having a really, taking out or reducing the the bias in the data set is, is, is the root, is this ultimate solution to the, you know, the root cause problem. Um, and I don't think it needs to be on the candidates to think about cramming their, their resume with, with keywords. Um, mm. It's really, it, it shouldn't be on, it, the onus should not be on the candidates. I know it should not, but there are realities. There are some hacks. I have, for example, I've heard that some people are writing keywords in uh, in a white uh, font just to have it included and to increase their chances wow. uh, to go through AI. Wow. There you go. Right. Uh, but let's go into positivity hacks, Bernadette. And so how would you encourage organizations what are the selling points of having inclusive uh, workplace workplace well there are a lot um, a lot of benefits to inclusive and equitable workplaces you're if you have th those types of workplaces then you are naturally going to be more attractive to uh, talent from underrepresented groups or tr traditionally marginalized groups so having inclusion in some cases should precede diversity um, so that those folks are totally set up for success. Um, ultimately, having an equitable and inclusive workforce is really going to a workplace is going to reduce employee turnover. It's going to help the company, the organization, better understand the diversity of their clients and their customers, which should then drive innovation and creativity and profits. So it's all sort of this... Um, interconnected set of, of benefits across the entire organization. Mm. 
Well, we've got a couple of more questions or comments. Uh, now, IPOV uh, says in uh, positivity, uh, your positivity is positively infectious and positivity hacked perfect, Bernadette Lockhart. Uh, you're matching Beata's mojo. Keep it up. He mansplained, Patrick says. Thank you so much, Patrick, for your support with your comment, because the more comments we get, the better it is for that naughty AI who wants to only go with a hegemonic views of, I don't know, somebody doing reviews of the latest gadgets on Amazon. Anyway, <laughs> Joanna adding her comment. People who work with AI also could not know how to find perfect key for diversity. That's true, uh, Joanna. That's why we are always advocating for more diversity in decision making in throughout organization, because that way you can make changes. Or as Bernadette says, bring ripples of hope to build those currents which can sweep down the mightiest walls of oppression and resistance. That's beautiful words. Bernadette. I wish I could take credit for those. Those are the words of Robert F. Kennedy. Um, but uh, they definitely are words that that speak to my heart. Absolutely. Um, there you go. Now you've got you've developed a methodology. What is ARC method? The ARC method is a really simple way to connect with folks who are different from us. So what I have learned, and certainly in my, in my lived experiences and in so many conversations with folks, is that a lot of us are really afraid of saying the wrong thing. A lot of us really want to be more inclusive of people who are different from us, but a lot we are often afraid of saying the wrong thing. We're afraid of accidentally offending someone. We're afraid of being canceled. And so often we just stay in our lanes. And we don't really look to diversify our friend network or our professional network. We often end up insulated with people who look like us, think like us, have the same gender or an education level as us. Um, and again, it's certainly been my own experience. And so the ARC method is about kind and gentle curiosity. It is ask, respect, connect. And it is a simple way to connect with people who are different from you just by asking a question. So it's a it's something we teach in a lot of my company's workshops. Um, it's something I talk about in my keynotes. And it's definitely a big part of the book Inclusive 360. It's a really foundational piece of the work that we do. There you go, two blondes uh, trying to explain to you diversity inclusion, because we <laughs> as humans make thousands of decisions every day to save time and energy. Our brains don't give each decision equal attention. Instead, we make mental shortcuts. Mm -hmm. How to hackle these shortcuts, how to, um, you know, declutter our brain from bias. Is there a way? <laughs> a mindfulness. You know, I think just having a lot of self-awareness um, is really key. And just having a sense of your own journey, your own diversity journey, the people in your life that you can say, you know what, I care about diversity because of X. Um, what is your personal connection to it? I think understanding a little bit of a personal why is important and having a, a why, why do you care about this stuff? Um, and then I think really having a mindfulness of thinking through the past and any time that you potentially 
experienced your own bias or were biased against someone else, or you heard your parent talking about um, something that was really racist or whatever. We all have those kinds of stories, sort of reflecting on those stories and what our experiences and, and memories have been, and really trying to have that mindfulness as we walk through the world. Um, I'll be honest, I catch myself in bias every single day. Um, my parents were immigrants from Ireland and very racist, very, very racist. And it's something that I am consistently unlearning and is just the mindfulness is really key. Mm. Well, as an expat from Poland, I can definitely sympathize with you and your experience because uh, uh, the history also tainted our uh, perception of mm -hmm. how the world operates. But definitely not only mind mindfulness, but also travels help a lot to see sure. different worlds, different worldviews. And as Helena Dali, uh, the minister um, in Malta says, it's so easy to change regulation. It's so difficult to change mindset. Now, before we go into next question, I have a question from Olga. She says, I am curious, Bernadette, you mentioned CVs earlier and obtaining a DEI. Do you have any views on CV-free employers such as Spectator Media Group who ask for samples of work and a letter from which they decide who to interview? I do not have any sort of cheat sheet of which employers are are doing that. Um, I think a lot of a lot of employers now are using work samples as part of their process, though. Um, and a lot of employers are also removing degree requirements. So I think that there's hope, um, particularly with larger companies which have this sort of mindset. Um, however, you know the inclusion there can be a challenge at times. But unfortunately, I don't have any sort of like cheat sheet on what, what places to check out. So um, why do you believe it's important to remove the uh, education requirements? Well, I think that here, at least here in the US, um, a lot of issues of systemic racism, and I can get into that if you want, but um, have made it more difficult for black and brown people to attend college, attend four-year college. And a lot of and 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 because of that, they're less likely to have four-year degrees. And that that eliminates them from being eligible for a lot of jobs. And so removing degree requirements um, and instead focusing on skills, so skills-based hiring, um, is a really great way to expand the talent pool, diversify the talent pool, and really not compromise um, the quality of the candidate and the quality of the employee. Skill experience base is important to get the talent that you need to diversify your brain power of your organization. Now, Joanna says, hope, hope, but a lot of companies are focused to put more AI everywhere. I will miss talking with Indian Adobe's consultant. There you go, <laughs> Joanna. Uh, I'm sure you can call some companies. They are still using those, uh, although they may have shifted to 
to other parts of the world, um, knowing that uh, India is is quite um, strong economy and they just shot it uh, last year somebody into space. So that's definitely not so attractive anymore in terms of uh, consulting services. Now let's go back to our neuro a uh, divergent topic of having an uh, unbiased workplace. So what organizations should be doing instead of more diversity training, Bernadette? Well, I think that we need to have training, um, but I think that it really needs to be coupled with systems change. They really have to go hand in hand. So looking at uh, embedding equity and inclusion in the, in various partnerships, policies, processes, and programs. Those are the four Ps. And if we can embed equity and inclusion into those in a cross-functional way, then we're gonna be set up for more systemic change and more sustainable change, and really have, a, have, a, have an organization that can scale um, inclusion as they grow. Well, um, we've got more and more comments. It's such an uh, interesting topic. Clearly, everybody's passionate about that. Uh, that's great news, everybody, because we want to see the change change uh, rather than just talk and no action. Thanks. I really just meant if you felt it helps advance DEI, um, I mean, he's uh, she's coming, Olga Vasina is coming back to her spectator media group who asked for samples of mm -hmm. work specification and she agrees also on the graduate point uh, as a requirement that should be uh, completely abandoned because as we know you can get your graduations from youtube ladies and gentlemen and welcome to our course on dei it's a short course uh, but if you want to know more you can definitely check the book now patrick ipov in patrick's opinion says skills-based hiring is the way forward particularly given the fact that so many graduates are educated stupid into a silo of narrow-mindedness nowadays. Whoops, mansplaining again. There <laughs> you go, <laughs> Patrick. I'm glad you, you're self-disciplining yourself today. So anything to add to this? Uh, no, I mean, I think that all of it is, you know, I've, I've covered a lot of ground. <laughs> <laughs> we did, yes, you did indeed, Bernadette. We can we can check your book, we can uh, listen to your podcast, uh, we can also uh, check your LinkedIn account. Um, you're very active. Thank you for promoting our PhD. And we are going to go to our standard questions uh, because as a female entrepreneur, uh, there are some ways to make it big and uh, i like to always ask about the five soft skills that you believe are going to contribute to any female's success whether it's entrepreneurship or career yeah i would say a number one is a really strong mindset um, and that definitely starts with well it might not start this way but it should include <laughs> a really really loving yourself and knowing yourself and knowing your worth i think that is really key um negotiation i think that women are not necessarily raised with negotiation skills and i think that uh, i don't have the best negotiation <laughs> skills so that's definitely <laughs> something that i can improve on 
Um, but I think that's really going to help a lot of folks be more successful um, and and more respected, to be honest. Um, direct communication, I think, is really key. Um, just making sure that you are uh, being honest and forthright and not holding things back and just being really direct, which I think can uh, can lead to in trust and integrity. Um, perspective taking is a really important skill to develop empathy for others as you're working on a diverse team or on your team or building your own team. Um, you're really going to be working with a lot of different kinds of folks and having the ability to take their perspective is going to help you have more empathy and more patience. Um, and then humility, I think is really key as well because Humility, I think, allows us to be a little bit vulnerable and allows us to admit what we don't know, allows us to um, to help our team be humble as well and admit when they make mistakes and ask better questions. And so I think humility uh, also gives us the permission to learn from others um, and admit that we're still, even though we are the leader, we are... Um, still learning as well. So I think those five skills, um, when combined together, are unstoppable. Unstoppable, just like Bernadette with her uh, great business consultancy and great book. Um, now, uh, I wanted to touch upon the uh, direct communication um, because there is a study that shows if women are um, strongly communicating their opinion and saying no, for example, they are being taken as too harsh mm -hmm. and you can never win. You either too weak or too harsh. So mm -hmm. how do we win this discussion? How do we make sure that we say no um, or as we say in Polish, say a word, fuck you all, <laughs> without saying the word. Yeah, I think, and I, I know what you're referring to. I read about it in the New York Times recently. Um, I think that what's important is to still say what you need to say um, directly, but put the type of language and compassion and empathy around it so that it lands in a little bit more of a softer way. Um, so I think it's kind of about finding that balance and that nuance um, because, yeah, I mean, that's a double-edged sword for women, isn't it? Mm. That's negotiation skills. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, you need to take a position of empathy and making sure that other person is not going to be offended. Mm -hmm. Now, Bernadette, um, uh, I wanted to ask you, why do you do what you do? I mean, the podcast, the book, is it helping your business or is it uh, just a side hustle? <laughs> no, it, it does help my business because what I think is, what I know for sure is that I have an important message to share and and I share it in a way that no one else is doing and, and in, in my unique voice. And, uh, you know, I have a really high open rate in my newsletter. I have about a 45% of people who've received my newsletter open it and read it. And I get notes throughout the year and people that hire me three years later after being on my list somehow. And so it's a way for me to really have a relationship with my readers. Um, and it's very, very powerful. It's the single most important thing I do every week. And for me, 
writing my newsletter is also a way for me to keep learning and to have a consistent habit about writing and learning. Um, so it really does check a lot of boxes. Um, the podcast and the live stream take very little time because the time is spent on the writing of the newsletter. So, um, you know, the podcast is a 15 minute show, 20 minute show, maybe. So it's, it's really short and, you know, and I love talking about my stuff and I love talking about these good vibe stories that I found. And it's a great way for me to, to connect with, with other folks and to keep building relationships and keep connecting. Um, my network is really important to me. Um, I'm, an, I'm definitely a people person. And so all of these things are important habits um, and really the single most kind of work, important work thing that I do on a weekly basis. Mm. Well, I, it also shows, uh, uh, you know, it's part of uh, your journey, but also it enhances the visibility for you. But also I think what is really critical here is bringing the positive news because we are overwhelmed with the negativity and mm -hmm. uh, some people uh, some outlets uh, use a lot of uh, um, click bite strategies just mm -hmm. to make sure that things are opened uh, even though it's not always a positive news and there is also when, when it comes to bias and uh, what history is showing us we are actually better off would you believe that like 50 years ago people didn't have access to such a nutritious food comparing mm -hmm. to now we are really living in a better world even though everybody around you say, says no the world is really going down and everything's going to fall down and everything's bad we need to look at things positive because if you look at things positive uh you are going to find positive things now right. we have patrick saying excellent show thank you ladies thank you patrick for tuning thank in you. and Joanna also says i am glad to hear your perspective thank you bernadette we Thank are you. grateful as well. We are coming to the end of our show. And I wanted to ask you our standard questions. Uh, first of all, let's start with life lesson quote. And how did it change you? Why do you think it's important? You know, the, the quote I, I share is, um, a winner is a dreamer who never gives up by Nelson Mandela. And I think that that simple quote says a lot of things. Uh, first of all, you know, it's a quote about perseverance and determination, um, obvious sort of life lessons, um, but also it's about permission to dream and permission to really embrace that and have a sense of purpose. And so I think that quote says a lot of things. And when you've been an entrepreneur, as long as I have 20 years now, you know, it's always a hustle and you need to find that inspiration and and that that resilience and i think the quote really embodies that and having these little habits micro actions definitely helps in the journey because some days it's going to be harder uh now uh let's uh, talk about the number one book you wish everybody read before they started their career or you wish you started reading it before you embraced your journey yeah, so this is a book that I read only a couple of years ago when it came out, and it's called The Self-Employed Life by Jeffrey Shaw. 
It's a um, it's really a, a very concise book that covers a whole lot of different elements of being um, a self-employed person. So it has a lot on mindset. It has a lot on strategy and marketing and personal branding and sort of all it, it takes a lot of the content of so many other books and sort of makes it very uh, concise and accessible and practical and you know, really like 15 years of life lessons <laughs> in one book. Uh, so I think it's a great, great book for folks who are very early on in their entrepreneurial journey. Mm. The self-employed life and uh, the dreams. And if we could uh, dream and uh, they dream about going anywhere in the world and meeting any person in the world, who would you dream person to have? private breakfast with and where? Yeah, so I was surprised by my answer to this question, but the first thing that came to mind was uh, having a private breakfast with Oprah Winfrey at her estate in California, which, you know, according to the you know, Meghan Markle interview looks absolutely stunning. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I would love to be invited over to Oprah's house for a, a catered breakfast by her personal chef, which I'm sure is super healthy and delicious and amazing view and amazing conversation and wisdom. And I mean, the woman is uh, phenomenal. Uh, so much wisdom. So I think that would is be it great. Is it the wisdom that comes as an interviewer or wisdom that comes with her knowledge of being minority? Um, uh, no, I think it's just life experience. Um, you know, she has really, you know, started with nothing. Um, so all of the, all of the wisdom that comes from that, from building her business to where it is and building her brand and her legacy, all of it. I mean, Geez, I would have a million questions for her. <laughs> for once, she would be interviewed uh, right. on the other side of Mike. Uh, we've got lots of lovely messages from Joanna out of uh, my humble uh, opinion. I'm not going to share it uh, right now. I really am grateful for you tuning in, Joanna. Hopefully, you're okay, and uh, we'll take it uh, in a private chat uh, later on. And Olga is also saying, magnificent show thank you for keeping it so super positive ladies um there you go we want you to have positive vibes only it's not diversity that divides us it's our inability to recognize accept and celebrate it audrey lord says so how do you recognize accept and celebrate it if you came to your office the next day um, you know what? I have uh, a lot of, again, sort of back to the habits. Um, so I, I have all of these little videos that <laughs> show up on my, I, I just installed a TV in the office and I made a YouTube video of all of this inspirational content and it just helps me find joy. Um, and I think really having the joy as sort of a, a, a state of being, um, as opposed to sort of a, 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 a intentional celebration, I think is kind of the, the place I'm trying to get to. 
Um, but you know what? I and I also have a reminder every Friday at noon. What are you celebrating this week, Bernadette? Um, so <laughs> I do have a reminder set up to remind me to celebrate. Um, but I do think that it's just important to kind of have it be part of how we live our lives. And gosh, it's hard, isn't it? Mm, it is hard. And uh, Joanna says uh, that her, she shares with us, she shares with us uh, her quote, um, nothing is true, everything is permitted. That's a beautiful quote. And uh, we uh, wanted to finish on a positive note. Uh, can you share with us your positive change after one of your workshops that you noticed in one of the organizations? I'm sure there are many, but something that you really remember that is uh, quite a great way to yeah. highlight why it is important to implement strategy. Yeah, you know, I had um, a LinkedIn message from someone who attended my keynote and it was about the ARC method and how all of a sudden he's having more meaningful conversations with people on his team. And it's, it was simple, it was memorable and it's usable. It's very practical. And really knowing that the work that I've created is uh, functional for folks and people actually use it um, really makes my, makes me feel like I'm on the right path. So thank you for that, uh, that LinkedIn message, Justin. That's great. Uh, so I guess it's also a person that you're grateful for, or is there yeah. somebody else who was, who you are grateful to, um, in your journey of entrepreneurial endeavors? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll say my, I'm really grateful for my partner. Um, Heather Vickery has, we've both been on our own, uh, career evolutions. We both used to be wedding planners and over the past 10 years together, we have both completely reinvented ourselves and it has been a really cool journey to be with her on. And I'm her biggest fan and she's my biggest fan. And, uh, and I'm just really grateful for that. That's unwavering support. That's great to hear that you've got great partner that is supporting you on your journey uh, because it's so much easier when you have a troop of people who you can rely on. Inclusivity is definitely part of the struggle of finding the people who want to be um, in your circle, who want to be uh, experiencing things with you. And that's it from episode 125 of PhD Livestream. Thank you so much, Bernadette Smith. It's been really great fun. And I hope everybody's taking these positive notes, notes and to stay updated and ensure you never miss a positivity hack, follow Woman On It and turn on notifications to be alerted once a video has been released. Also, you can follow Bernadette's uh, podcast, uh, her LinkedIn profile. And I would like to also mention next week, we're going to talk to Sunny Bonnell. I'm sure there is going to be more positive notes and uh, we uh, will be having discussion with her the same time Wednesday. Always turn up because this is my micro action. <laughs> Thank you so much for our lovely audience who participated today. Uh, we had um, Jane, Olga Vasina, Joanna Hajczewska, IPO, Vit in Patrick's opinion. And as always, our positivity quote comes from positive thinking only and goes, look 
for something positive in each day. Even if some days you have to look a little harder. <laughs> and finally, as Maya Angelou says, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Today is your day to hack the future, change your attitude and hack the positivity you want. Thank you. Thank you.